Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Aaron Yohanda. You're very welcome, Aaron. Have I got your pronunciation right? Um, no, it, it's your higher will, but this is a familiar thing. And I just thought that we we probably should have taken a second <laughs> to get that. It's your higher, but hey, I'm delighted to be here nevertheless. You can just call me Aaron moving forward. Okay, so Aaron is uh, the acquisitions or head of acquisitions for uh, oparo.co.uk, uh, which is a, uh, I suppose, a, a platform which is active in the, particularly in the social housing and residential space. Um, and, and we can have a bit of a chat about that uh, as we go. But uh, the subject today is your property world. Um, so, um, if you don't mind, we, we can we can go back to the beginning. Where, where, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What you know? Uh, what what's some of the early property memories? Yes. Uh, now, thanks, Will. Now, gosh, where to start? Now, there there is something that I often say, which surprised a lot of people, considering how long I've been um, in and around property. Um, that it'll probably be since uh, probably about oh four. So I don't mm. know how many years that is. That's probably it's a few years now, but um, I'm, I, um, I, I say to people, I, I love property. I, I deal with a lot with property, but I say I'm not a bricklicker. So uh, I'm an economist by training. So I'm then uh, going on to do a master's in business. Uh, We're know, letting so, anyone on the show these days. Yeah. So, so I'm, <laughs> you know, that's my, that's my first thing. And I first looked at property as an asset class, as opposed to um, the technical bits, but we'll come on to that a little bit later. So, uh, just in terms of sort of my, you know my background, I, I I grew up in three different countries. I grew up in Nigeria, I grew up in Ireland, and I grew up in the UK. Uh, six different secondary schools. Um, for us settling down in uh, a grammar school in Surrey, that's where I well, that's where I did my you know sort of my initial education, um, and then you know my my sort of A levels or economics, maths, further maths, um, you know sort of GA geography which is what we had to do. So not a lot of people know that about me. So <laughs> that, uh, that, that's, so, that, so that, that's... That, that in itself must have been a, um, like a, a challenging time, but um, the skill set that you acquire and meeting new people, uh, if you're changing schools a number of times, that, that, that in itself is, uh, it must have stood you well, uh, you know, in your adult life. Whereas some people, uh, they've grown up in a you know a single location they've got a mm. single you know immediate group of friends and they find it hard to get outside of those those networks it is it is a very interesting point um, i think when you're a child growing up you don't know what's happening you're just adapting moving forward you're just move you're just taking on the next the next mm -hmm. challenge and um you know so you know, my parents separated, and this this was also part uh, part of the you know part of the change. So, you know, my mum was a, a microbiologist, then a banker, um, and then my dad's my dad's uh, Oxford trained medical doctor, sort of best in his class, sort of that other side. So that's the kind of that was the the sort of parentage, a very um, very sort of uh, middle class. Um, sort of professionals kind of 
uh, basis. And, and the byword for that is stability. Mm-hmm. So to, to actually end up having a disruptive childhood, it's not the usual story. I wasn't abused. I, you know, anything happened. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a happy home. Um, they couldn't make things work for, for a variety of reasons. So I took this um, stability in a very, what ended up being quite an unstable childhood, but the skills, um, which I didn't realize. So it gave me the ability to uh, make friends instantly, to connect with different kinds of people, to adapt on my feet in real time uh, to whatever was whatever was happening and wherever I was. So, you know, that means I went to independent schools, I went to comprehensive schools, um, I went to grammar school. So I've done the free, the independent route, the grammar route, the entrance exams, the non-entrance exams, the boarding school. And, and um, it, it was only later on in life, I just, uh, so, so uh, I could probably tell you, I could tell you stuff about sort of football trivia. I could also tell you stuff about the inner workings of, of the enterprise NCC 1701D. So I was a Trekkie that played first team football that, um, you know, <laughs> uh, so I, I hung out with the geeks because I, I didn't have the prescribed rules because I was always changing. So um, you get to be everywhere, but nowhere enough at times. But we can come on to that a little bit later. So, uh, but I am actually grateful. So that means that I'm able to just uh, adapt more readily uh, than than I find a lot of people are able to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you've had uh, a lot of early practice, and uh, as I said, uh, you're you're someone who uh, quite comfortably introduces yourself, and that that I think is a uh, it's a micro skill that's that has major uh, flow-on effects because you feel comfortable and the other person feels comfortable, you're able to do business a a little bit more or at least start the conversation. And uh, that's a big advantage to have. And you, so you went to a university in Sheffield? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So from Surrey to Sheffield uh, via (laughs) Ireland and Nigeria. (laughs) <laughs> in a way, so I was, I was actually um, I was actually born uh, in in Reading, uh, so it's quite quite a funny story, and not a lot of people sort of know this, but they will now. Uh, my my dad was working at John Radcliffe, so he finished, you know, he, he was at Oxford, and then he worked at John Radcliffe, mm-hmm. and um, so I wasn't due to be born until the day after. So my dad was on a shift, mm-hmm. and my mom uh, my mom uh, microbiologist she did a masters at Reading, and then she was working also at the university. And my mom went into labor. Uh, well, she started to have pains. Um, and then she went in, she just went into hospital. But the, ro- the closest hospital to where we lived was a, was a Royal Berkshire Hospital in Reading. Mm-hmm. So she went into hospital. And so my dad was uh, at, at his shift at John Radcliffe. So when he finished, mm-hmm. he passed through the hospital at Royal Berkshire mm-hmm. to visit my mom. And my mom went into labor. So... So my dad went to visit my mum, right? Because she, you know, she'd gone into hospital, and then, you know, her water's broken. She went into labour. So then my dad, obviously, still he was still just come straight from the hospital. I'm not sure you could do this these days. Then got the midwife, and then helped deliver me. <laughs> okay. So, you know, and I didn't thank him for it till years later. So he'd come off the shift, and you know, delivering your own son as a, you know, as a doctor. It must be quite something, but he only just came to see my mum and ended up sort of real, real sort of, real sort of life doing it. I mean, I, I am, um, you know, I, I've, I've got a son, he's currently three, but I watched all the videos. I had gloves in the car, you know, I was, I was ready to repeat the feat, but, uh, but, but it was done by professionals. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so, sure your son will thank you uh, and years to come as well. For, for, for different reasons. So, so that's a bit of a funny thing, but how I ended up in Sheffield, and even though this is a, a podcast and we're going to speak intellectual things, is there was something called the Virgin Student Guide, Ben, right, when I went to university. And it was, a, it was a big book that Virgin produced, which ranked all the universities, not just in academia, it also ranked them in terms of uh, how much fun, the fun quotient there was. So, you know, I'd, I'd, been, to, <laughs> I'd been to LSE, right um and it was in london and i thought this was it was it was quite pricey at the time i went to warwick and i went to leamington spa Mm -hmm. and i just felt that 
I couldn't do this walled. It felt like prison, right? Mm -hmm. it, it felt like prison. These are the real practical reasons how I ended up yes. going to. And then, so then I was left with Leeds, Sheffield, and Manchester, right? Um, and then at that time, Sheffield was number one in the Virgin Student Guide. So when all the offers came in, good, good economics department. Um, it, was, it was easy to use <laughs> justifications other than your real motivation. Yeah. You know, so good, good economics department, it was, you know, sort of decent. In, and even though technically I went there for the department, the truth is they were top of the Virgin Student Guide. And mm. that was that was what made me choose that. And, and, and was that your first time living away from home? Yes, 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 it was. Um, even though what the, this is an interesting question because the definition of what home is and was had changed because I ended up moving around and then I went to boarding school as well. So I don't know if boarding school counts as living away from home, but um, my, my sense of being attached to one place would, was already shattered by then. I, was, I, was, I, I quickly really learned that the only constant you'll have in whatever environment was gonna be yourself. Mm -hmm. So the, my, need for, my need for external validation was reduced, although there was something else which came up, which is, uh, which is almost a paradox, which was a need to also be accepted because you were always coming into established groups, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, a lot of people are done, as you'd said earlier, they're done sort of preschool, primary school, the same secondary school, live around the corner, they'd been mm -hmm. to knitting clubs. There were loads of shared memories and shared history, which you couldn't replicate when you're coming into groups later. So these two paradoxes, have both formed sort of my strength and to an extent I would say a weakness or you know another area or just a complexity I, I just believe that's that's uh, just and, and so when you went to Sheffield did you go into the halls or into a flat or what 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 was the no I went to I went to halls actually I went went into halls and ended up actually living in halls with my uh, with my best mate from school Right. He'd gone he'd gone into he'd gotten into Leicester, he'd gone to another uni. And then those are the times when you'd have clearance on the day. And he decided through clearance to come to the same university as I did. Mm -hmm. And then as luck would have it, we ended up being in the same halls. Right. And um, I don't know how much more of the university halls experience I can share on this podcast. Um, but it, it, was, it wasn't too dissimilar from people of a certain age um, being in halls. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so, so you uh, enjoyed your, your time uh, in Sheffield. Uh, you, you learned a bit. And what, what happened uh, after coming out the other side? Okay, so that's a very interesting, um, interesting question because... Arguably, I've not come out of the other side because, um, you know, at the time, so my, my, one of my brothers, uh, another story, I'm, I'm one of 15, we'll come to that. At, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, so one of my brothers, uh, he, he, he went to Surrey, he, he did economics mm -hmm. like I later did, got first, got offered straight into PhD, went into work in the city. Mm -hmm. Straight away got, you know, he was working for Robert Fleming, JP Morgan, the, just the... But I, so that was also the time when people had unlimited bonuses, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of, you basically sneezed and then you got a 500K <laughs> bonus. Mm -hmm. But something changed whilst I was going to uni. There was a lot of uh, public backlash and things were starting to get capped. Mm -hmm. The other thing was before I went to uni, as my sort of um, uh, part-time job, we, we used to put on under 18, under 18 um, mm -hmm. events sort of as a party promoter so we'd run these and so throughout the whole of uni this was also kind of a side hustle and we'd you know do all the halls you know putting stuff together throughout the whole time that we were we were going through uni and I was also a DJ mm -hmm. so I had my Sainsbury's job I had my DJing job I had you know my part-time job was was being a DJ and then a promoter a student promoter so you you can imagine going hot into uni with with a bit of hustle mm -hmm. um with a bit of something about us and mm -hmm. i was there with my mate so I, my my mate from school so we automatically 
had a ready-made team to go. So we'd already been working together for two or three years before we got to uni. So mm -hmm. now we had literally a captive audience mm -hmm. in these halls, mm -hmm. right, these students. Um, who are looking for something to do with the Who are definitely looking for something to do. So we quickly really figured out that, um, you know, there was, there was an opportunity for us to meet a need. Mm -hmm. And we proceeded to do so, so successfully that by the time, um, you know, we, we, we were doing quite well. So that by the time the educational part finished, right, I, I was looking at my earnings from that and looking at what I'd be earning five years down the line, because I only intended to ever go to the city for five years, mm -hmm. collect all the bonuses, and then just do business or property. That I was only for five years because I, I saw from a, a lot of my colleagues in the city, mm -hmm. not, not, not everyone, but I saw how, what the city did to their personality. Mm -hmm. Not everyone survived them, survived being in the city intact in terms mm -hmm. of, and I thought as a, as a, as a human, that's not where I wanted to go. Yeah. So it, te it tends to break people down and spit them out at a fairly uh, fast rate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just saw, I just saw what was happening and mm -hmm. I thought I made a conscious decision that I didn't want to be there. You either, mm -hmm. You either sort of adapted and be, and pushed back on the environment and became like the environment, or it spat you out. Mm -hmm. And I, I I wanted to retain an element of softness, which I thought, in order to prosper in that in that mm -hmm. environment, I might have to mm -hmm. lose some of that and harden a little bit. Uh, and that that working around the nightclub scene, mm -hmm. um, you're you're working weekends, you're working nights, your um, you know public holidays uh, are things that are for other people. Um, yeah. But that's not that's not the average experience of someone uh, at, at that age. No, it isn't. And normally at that age, what most people are, are are strictly consumers of the experience as opposed to generators of the experience. So. Uh, what that really helped with was I had a, I had a sense, I didn't get it ever into the nine to five thinking. This was just either a day in which people would, would patronize or a day in which people would not. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get the Monday blues. I didn't get the, the, uh, you know, all the rest of the dread that people, people felt because, um, I, I was just, um, I was just providing what people needed not in a strict nine to five kind of manner so mm -hmm. for example if i'd if i'd worked the night before till three four a.m right not drank not done anything mm -hmm. and then you know i'd be up at nine or ten or eight thirty mm -hmm. organizing stuff or doing what i had to do so this was just normal and 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 what you bring is a is a really it's a really interesting point is that your experience is your normal experience, right? But to other people, it can seem unusual. So on t I, I had to be told that that wasn't, that wasn't everyone else's experience. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you're still with me here. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So I, I... I can remember being astounded as a 15-year-old that mm. the, the realisation that everyone didn't go to university. <laughs> uh, which uh, and, and genuinely that like it was a shock like I uh, was not aware of it I, you all. know what that that's quite interesting because I I, I had a realization around 16 when there were some people who were finishing school and weren't going on to do the A-levels and going to university because coming from the home that I was it was like freedom didn't even start until you'd finish your master's. So the concept that someone could stop halfway and just get on with life, mm -hmm. <laughs> I probably share that. I didn't, mm. you know, I was, I was that old before I was like, wait, you mean people can just finish and stop here? Mm -hmm. Right, really? <laughs> and, and, and so as this realization opened up uh, other pathways, what, what, um, at what point did property start becoming part of this picture? 
that's a that's a really good point. So the realization opened up with uh, other pathways, but I, I I've got an African background with professional Nigerian parents, so you know they were realizations, but they were more akin to fantasies, um, mm -hmm. with no practical application in terms of I was going go go down the pathway. Mm -hmm. How I actually ended up being in property was in reverse. It it came from the point of looking at asset classes. Um, you know, and that's just with my my thinking, looking at long-term performing uh, performing assets. But it it was actually a practical solution to what I was finding with our customers. So to expand on that a little bit, as so well, I finished with the educational side. I was obviously DJing a lot more. I was uh, then we had a a small youth marketing agency, which was uh, connecting things like you know these banks that were looking to recruit younger students, record labels, that sort of stuff. Basically, mm -hmm. a student marketing agency. So that means that we served people in the day and we served people at night. And we ended up doing a, this was, this was another spot. So I'm, I'm working my way to the property, if you can bear with me to, sure, to, sure. to get to how the journey got there. <laughs> so we realized that um, loads of businesses around the city would have student discounts randomly, right? They'll be like, oh, show your student card for X amount of discount, mm -hmm. show your student card for X amount of, uh, of discount. So what we did was we had a database of students from all the events that we'd put on. Mm -hmm. And then we also realized that a lot of these businesses were not coordinated in these efforts. So we went to a business and said, quite simply, we can put your name out to X amount of thousands of students. All you have to do, is uh, pay, pay this much to be on our directory. Um, and then also put a sticker promoting our website on your shop. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost you anything because whatever discount you're offering, offer that same discount, but we'll just let more people know for this small price and everything else. Mm -hmm. So we did that with 300 businesses, right? And then, so, we, so they, they paid for sponsorship, they paid for the card, and then we went to the students and said, hey, look, by the way, this is a discount card that gives you a discount across 300 different businesses. Mm -hmm. For a small fee, you can get this card and you can use this to show a discount. Now, obviously, your student card would have done and you could have shown that and gotten your student card anyway. We had a couple of exclusives. But mm -hmm. that was the so we, we leveraged those two things. You know, and then we went to sort of the likes of NatWest and HSBC and Nando's and everything else and said, hey, by the way, we have a database of this amount of students. We've got X amount of businesses um, already signed up. Would you want to be the title sponsor of the actual card itself as opposed to be listed in the directory? Okay, so and then you'd go back to the students and say, by the way, NatWest, HSBC, Nando's are, are taking part in this. Then we'll go to a business and say, by the way, we've got all these. So that was how that was going. So we were looking at, okay, so that's capturing them between 18 and 21. But we, we then realized is so, you know, myself and various business partners that we were looking at our customers between an 18 to 30, being 18 and 30, because Sheffield was also the town in which most number of people after graduating stayed, right? Mm -hmm. So people would come in 18, at 18 and might not leave. Mm -hmm. You've got 25, 26, 27. But so people we, who aren't familiar with uh, what's happening in Sheffield, it's one of the uh, fastest growing economically uh, wise uh, locations in the country. There's enormous investment going in. Uh, the education infrastructure, the, uh, the wider business enterprise stuff, uh, it's a thriving property market generally. If you haven't looked at it, check it out. Absolutely. Even though you probably couldn't have done with that, Will, because you've got to keep it a little bit shush. And no, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of space for growth. Um, and um, so going back to that, looking at these things and, and with my other hat on, I was obviously accessing stuff, which people are doing. I was looking at the Mintel reports and looking at what the trends were going to be. And we said, you know, we have a chance to not just have them for their first year, second year, Right, and then they knuckle down and come out at the end of the third year. We we have a possibility of having someone from eighteen to thirty. So we have to have a three hundred and sixty approach. What are they going to eat? So then we end up um, 
So we service that in two ways. One, the discounts with the card. And secondly, we later on went on to acquire, um, you know, and ended up getting a restaurant, getting a couple of bars, right? What are they going to drink? We have that surface. Where are they going to live, right? What are they going to wear? So this 360 approach means that, okay, I want someone getting up. Um, from the moment they get up, I want, if they're spending money, for it to be spent with us. Or at least to have the option of, of doing so. At least, have, at least have the option of doing so. So this 360 approach is, is how the housing came about or the property. But the first way it actually came about was we were, we were doing a lot of stuff with clubs. We were doing a lot of stuff with bars. Mm -hmm. And so the next thing was to actually buy one of those to be able to. So that's it. So the very, apart from, apart from you know, a residential asset, which I got with a mate, and that was self-cert. It was the first thing I went into was commercial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the very very first thing that I bought, sort of straight up, was a was a club. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I bought, you know, you're told not to do that. So it was a, but it was it was from the mindset of you, you skipped the first three rounds of the <laughs> monopoly board. You went, went went straight to the yeah uh, straight to the commercial asset. Yeah. Yeah. Straight straight to the commercial asset because I didn't have anyone uh, telling me what I shouldn't shouldn't do. And just as a, paint a little picture. So what size of a space, rough location uh, for someone who's not familiar with uh, Sheffield per se? Right, okay. Um, this is going, it's... Uh, How did you finance it? What was the, you know, sure. uh, what, 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 what was the interaction between the operating business and the... Yeah, the okay, so, yeah, that's, um, it was... It, it was a space that we'd hired before. So this is, you know, Timberton West Street and Division Street. Those people will, will, will sort of know on a busy, busy street called Carb Street. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so um, city centre location. City centre. It was all city centre location because, again, we were also mapping uh, where people spent money. And there is a side, there's a side sort of bit to the thinking around this. It's always been macro thinking around how, how do we service um how do we service people and how do we get them to make the decisions they were making anyway, but to make it with us? This was the idea behind the card. We were like, you don't need any extra discounts, just whatever discounts you do and we'll package it and wrap it. So it's an easy decision for them to make. Mm -hmm. So going back to the club, it's a space that we'd used before. Um, and uh, the, the club owner was getting tired, exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. The club owner was getting tired and the owners of the whole building were also uh, tired. Mm -hmm. Now we didn't end up doing the deal for the whole building. It had um, uh, it had offices on top. It had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different commercial premises at the bottom, including mm -hmm. Acosta, including mm -hmm. uh, massive mm -hmm. lease from Stone uh, mm -hmm. from Stonegate. Uh, also, it has it had space potentially for eighty seven apartments at the top. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it was quite so. The very first thing was a very, very long, long, long lease. Uh, so it was a there was a a head lease and then a sub lease. Mm -hmm. So um, so we first of all just approached the the current owner. You know, we had a conversation. Very first thing was to take a, take over the existing lease, mm -hmm. extend the lease, mm -hmm. and then do a full refurb. So come to think about it, the capacity uh, five six capacity about six hundred. Mm -hmm. Now, off the top of my, I don't have the square footage to hand. I would now, but then I wasn't actually thinking in those mm -hmm. terms. <laughs> you know, so, and when I talk about we, I talk about we a lot is quite, is my, my sort of role is really sort of to identify the opportunities, to have the top level and identify the people who can help us with those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So once we've done the finance and the business part, the business, the business planning, then I'd go on to, so, okay, how, how is this going to work? What does our, our break-even point look like? How many customers do we need? What do our circles, um, how many different uh, networks and how, how many viral networks do we need to make this work? That's where I go into. And then, um, so... And, and it's really interesting. When you start talking about that, uh, your eyes light up. There's a, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's very clear, like, that's your thing. Hmm. One, you know, one of the things that... Um, you know, catches your your attention. 
and, yes. and the, the recognition <laughs> of that is is one of the big challenges most most people not not just property investors but most people generally that they struggle to understand what is it they they're actually good at what are they into uh, what what's going to be workable in a in, on an ongoing basis uh, that that's not too much of a chore that it's a it's a fun it's an engaging uh, and fulfilling uh, part of you know all, all the bits that fit together and you, you've you know you've you can see the smile on your face now. Well, well, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm, it's it's interesting that you observe that is is um, people don't understand that you have to find where your flow is. And I realize my flow is with people, mm -hmm. right? Is with people. And, and, and so when I talk about not licking bricks is I really recognize that in whatever field you go into, there is one, there is a way, there are people who have been successful in that field. Number two, there are commonalities between fields um, that you have to find. And then your job is not to know everything. Mm -hmm. is to know enough to be able to work with the people who know more mm -hmm. um, to be able to get the best results. So I get really excited um, about people who are better than me in a field that I go into. Mm -hmm. And my, my primary job is to, is to get good people together mm -hmm. right, and to lubricate that. So the skill I have to work on is learning how to identify good, good people. And I need to know enough to know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a very subtle thing, but I think you've touched on something which is really important. And um, I spoke earlier about uh, the paradox that I do have is number one, I'm comfortable in my own skin. But on the other hand, because I've had to break into different groups, so I don't, I don't need external validation. But on the other hand, I do also have this whole thing about always being an outsider. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but I came to that realization and I'm comfortable with, with who I am. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I, and the first thing is people come to me and they probably come to you as well and they say, especially in the context of property and say, oh, what strategy should I, what, what strategy should I be doing? And I always say, that's just so the wrong question. Mm -hmm. who, who are you? What season of life are you in? What are your experiences? Mm -hmm. What are your connections? What is your capacity? What is your desire and what are you willing to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um... <laughs> I, I, I simplify it a little bit more. Uh, what, what, what do you enjoy? What, what, what do you do for fun? Uh, you see, well, I used to ask that question, Will, but sometimes what people enjoy and do for fun is not going to get them to their dreams. There can be aspects behind it, though. Uh, true, true. Yeah. Or, or it can be a, a stepping stone, perhaps, uh, uh, or, or mm -hmm. as a means to the end. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So <laughs> in terms of um, you, you've left university, you, you've gone into the nightclub business as part of a wider, um, I, I suppose, uh, what, what, what would you describe the... Uh, market dominance uh, across all things student and Sheffield. Uh, it, it, it was, it's basically, it's 360, 18 to 30. Mm -hmm. um, it's 360, 18 to 30. And it, the, the, the whole idea is, is quite simply is how do we, how do we monetize every, mm -hmm. every aspect of an experience? And, and while, while you might look 25 now, Aaron, I, I know that you're a bit older than that. So, so what, what, What's the time frame since then, and what, what, what's the uh, what, what would be the a half dozen sort of key milestones on on a property slash business uh, fr from that that sort of point where you you got into the nightclubs, which opened up the the property aspect. Yes. Yeah, so, wow, that is that is actually a harder question than I'd anticipated. So, because so those the the nightclubs, then the then the bars, then the single residential properties, then the multiple units, then I, I would say then there was the creative aspects. So running alongside aside that um, uh, PLOs, purchase lease options, um, mm -hmm. HMOs, 
retained, um, and then also um, rent, rent, rent with a PLO as well mm -hmm. attached, um, singular pound exchanges. But I suppose back to brick demolitions, ex expansions, house splits. A lot of different sort of things because I wasn't thinking, and this is this is a very interesting thing because I because I wasn't told there was a way to do things, mm -hmm. right? Looking back, and if I was honest, I, I probably should have just piled a lot of single legs, mm -hmm. right? as opposed to doing all these various different things. So going back in terms of milestones, you will forgive me. I, in terms of years. Right, I'm no longer 25. I haven't been 25 for 15 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, so, and um, I've had, it's in the middle of this interjection, right? We are speaking about property, but I did actually go out to, um, I did actually go out to Africa for a bit mm -hmm. because I was thinking, you know, resource. So I went out to Ethiopia to do agriculture. Mm -hmm. At that whole point, we were. Uh, looking at sort of bottling plants in Rwanda, ice cream factory in Rwanda, and uh, uh, water bottling plants in Nigeria, then up into China, uh, solar panels and uh, children's clothes, uh, solar containers. But we will stick to property and then coming back to property. So, so where does that where do, where does that leave us today? And how do we how do we get here? Uh, let me let me. Um, let me try and simplify this or, or, pull, or pull this down. So the, the journey was top level. It was sort of nightclubs, uh, bars, clubs, uh, single lets, HMOs, uh, conversions, mm -hmm. and then creative, creative deals all the way back down to sort of land and social housing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so that's, the, that's, the, that's the journey. You know, and it would be remiss of me uh, not to uh, bring up your um, current primary focus, a, a, as I perceive it, in terms of property and business. Do, do you want to yes. fill us in um, a, a bit about what what you're up to and looking for currently? Because there's been some quite big moves over the the last yeah. uh, uh, number of months, uh, which I, I think people would be quite interested in hearing about, and we. We may have a separate uh, couple of podcasts going into those in a bit more detail, but just give people a flavour for uh, what you're up to now. So, so, so as, as it stands in, so you know, I'm uh, I'm with a company called Apollo, so I'm head of acquisitions there. Mm -hmm. And what we do, um, you know, with a couple of uh, couple of co-founders, is we have an algorithm and we 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 translate data uh, into deals. So we're able to monitor every single uh, property in the held in a company in a company structure in the UK. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at companies that come into stress uh, that later on emerges distressed properties uh, later on down the road, mm -hmm. and we're able to look at them to see whether we can come to solutions around their assets. Now, we then look to approach them to either purchase it um, as ourselves on our own balance sheet, or we have a number of, of partners, including a couple of PLCs, which. I'm not at liberty to to disclose uh, mm -hmm. because part of what we also do is we sh we shadow bid for them as well as acquire on their behalf. And, and it's obviously not a, a new concept to uh, to, to track pre-distressed uh, either companies or properties, but you're doing it in a uh, like a, a level of data analytics which. Uh, that uh, they advance every few months uh, to a to higher level, and and you're you're certainly not alone. And uh, like there's enormous money going into the United States. Number of hedge funds uh, are pouring tens of billions into the the U.S. real estate market on the back of platforms like you're you're doing. So it's it's a big, you know, uh, it's a big new frontier that you're uh, striking out in. Uh, lots of opportunities, um, and uh, it, it's a you know it's a particularly sexy time to be doing what you're you're doing. Um, absolutely, I mean, there's there's been what makes us unique is a is a couple of couple of things like you have rightly recognised it's it's a it's a growing space, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's a it's a space that's increasing. So we're in the opt we're in the 
you know, the upward curve of a growing market. Now, there are a couple of distinctions. There's number one, we're not actually, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not a SaaS. So we're not really a customer, general customer facing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. It's interesting that you mentioned a hedge fund. So, sorry, ju- of- just for uh, the clarity of the, uh, the <laughs> property yeah. listeners, uh, SaaS yeah. being in a software context as opposed yeah. to uh, oh, SaaS yes. in a pensions context. Yes, yes, so yeah. in, a, in a software context. So we don't have, we don't have off the shelf products that are available for customers to use, for consumers, for general consumers to use. We use the technology in-house. And you are right, uh, property is the only thing that you cannot actually buy. And to expand on that, someone has to sell it to you. I mean, you can go into Tesco and get a sandwich off, you can buy it, but you can't just decide to buy a house and turn up one day and say, hey, you know, Will, I bought your house and pack your things. Someone has to sell it to you. So I would love to say our technology goes in there and allows all our our technology does is in the same way Uber took the uh, the controller the, the the you know the you know Mrs Wright who's a controller in a taxi cab mm-hmm. firm and um, used technology to make it sort of autonomous it's the same way we've taken what well, the 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 black book the 500 brand, branded cars running around town the 20 years of being in a local area and going to mm-hmm. school with people's kids and everything else and we've used technology to be in conversations that we invert commas have no right to be in. Mm-hmm. And then the people side takes over. And I suppose this is what technology does. It does create new markets, but it also uh, makes existing markets more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of technology has been available with hedge funds, not quite exactly the same, mm-hmm. but it, it is bringing this into the property space to use it to actually actively uh, target and acquire assets is, is, is something that is quite, um, is quite unique because we're actually... Um, property people using technology and sometimes you have you have um, technology people coming into the property space and mm-hmm. it's from a techie point of view or you have property people trying to do some technology and it's and it's kind of clunky but we have emerging we're actually we've we've got technology people and we're property people so we're we're actually using it in a way in which is totally practical mm-hmm. and um so using a combination of publicly available data and some proprietary data and obviously our proprietary algorithm. Mm-hmm. So it's a really exciting time to be here. And um, one of the interesting trends we're looking at is, you know, we might do this again, but on a macro level, we're looking at the corporatization of, of uh, especially the resi market. And, uh, you know, there have been some really big headlines, the likes of Lloyd's and John Lewis and, and all these other people coming in. But what people don't know is, uh, some smaller banks, um, even the likes of Paragon, have not been disposing of all their repossessions for a while now. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They've been quietly building this, this uh, you know, arsenal of, mm-hmm. of, of properties in the background. So we want to be in the conversation um, you know, on an institutional level. And I think using technology, this is, this is, this is a way to leverage that, to buy time and to also be able to attract institutional funding to really, really scale up. I, you know, I, I, we were having a, a conversation earlier and I'm sure you and, and some of our listeners will, will understand where we're going with this. Hmm. And there's a, um, the, the, when I think back uh, over, uh, over the years, like the people get involved in property deals as companies and, hmm. um, Quite often things don't work out as planned and they're, they're left with an asset which has a value which is below what they owe or their ability to service the debt and it, it gets it gets recycled and at some point the asset becomes uh, attractive and the debt becomes serviceable if there's, there's debt and it runs and it, and it does what it's supposed to on the tin and uh, uh, you'll always hear me talk about hotels in this context where uh, typically someone has an idea and they, they, uh, they build a hotel uh, in a mm. location and it works. Mm. Um, and, and so they, they have a level of profitability and just at the point where they've got through some of the, the debt of the, uh, of, of the building works uh, of the initial you know, marketing launches 
someone else has been in the background noticing that this worked and suddenly there's three other hotels within uh, walking distance that are newer, better positioned to a niche that, and suddenly they're, they're faced with a choice of either uh, going down market or doubling up on the debt and, and having to refurbish, rebrand, re, and, and it, it, it very rarely works on a sustainable basis. And you see this in, um, it's easier to visualize this in a hotel context, but in, in most commercial categories within residential, uh, you, you see similar things happening. Uh, uh, large parts of the HMO market, uh, people go in and you look at the year one to three, there's great figures, uh, and then it starts getting a bit tighter and it's, they're swamped with competition. What, what, you know, uh, now, and they've been financed at a, uh, at a commercial level, which is based on an income, which is based on a profitability, which isn't there in, in that, that, you know, that second round for the refinancing. It's not worth what they've, uh, they've borrowed against it. And you, you do that on an industrial national scale and, and you, you get in behind the numbers. Uh, there's lots of opportunities and there's a lot of people who... Uh, are in, you know, they're not up for, for, for the fight, basically, that, that's needed to, to make some of these ventures work. And, um, and uh, you're, uh, I think you've decided to, to dig a hole in the right place would be, um, you know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, absolutely. I, I, Do you I want to tell us a bit about some of the other people involved? Where uh, some of them yeah. will be familiar to the listeners, some of them yeah. won't be. So, so, so we've got, um, you know, so our CEO, we've got, we've got Babak, uh, Babak Garbi, will be sort of familiar. So, this is thirty years in in sort of banking. He's a, man, a managing director at HSBC, Citibank, and uh, so he brings he's he's he brings that experience to take us forward into the city. Mm -hmm. Right. So then we've also got, um, you know, Paul, uh, he's been sort of years in sort of IT. He's, he's our CTO. CTO. Mm -hmm. He was involved in um, pre-selling. Uh, he, he sold out one of his early ventures, uh, which was a music player on MySpace to a big American fund. So he's been involved in this technology game for quite a while. Then we've got uh, Toby. Uh, Toby Wild and he, he himself and Paul were actually uh, founders, uh, co-founders of the early team of Sprift, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is a, a property uh, sort of platform. It's similar mm -hmm. to uh, some of the other things on the market. And then you got obviously myself, and then we've got uh, other people and some really sort of well-known advisors uh, who who are joining with us. So uh, at, at least at least two, if not three, uh, previous podcast uh, yes. guests. So. <laughs> Karen Indeed. Young and uh, Helen, Ch Helen, Helen Chorley. Yes, yes, very, 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 very much so. Uh, are also sort of you know involved involved in it. I just realised if I started to go through, um, it might be quite. A list. Wait, wait, so, it might be a separate podcast episode just listing off all the people involved. But uh, but they uh, can they can look you up on the the website. Yeah, um, so oparo.co.uk. Mm -hmm. um, www. Do, do people still say www? But it's oparo.co.uk. Yeah, well, you, uh, you, you just did, so people do. Uh, yeah, so, so oparo.co.uk. We're really sort of open to conversations is probably the best thing I could, I could take out of it. Is I have a, you know, my, my approach is quite simply you approach a prop, every single property problem has a solution. Mm -hmm. And whether you can find the solution depends on your, the tools in your toolbox and the strategy. So we, that's, that, <laughs> that's my take on it. So in I've this got one, space, one, one yeah. question to, yeah. to, to yes. round off the episode. I, I'd like you to, uh, it's actually two questions in one. Uh, okay. Can you tell me about the, uh, your favorite property deal and the mm -hmm. best property deal that you've been involved with? And they can be the same hmm. thing. Let me, um, okay, so one of my favorite property deals, and I'll tell you the reason why it's a, a favorite property, property deal, was because it involved various different elements of, of knowledge. 
So it was a a, a probate property. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a double fronted terrace. Um, I I I found it by walking the street, and I noticed the number was missing. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was in quite a dilapidated uh, state. Mm-hmm. So for a start. So this was just being on the street and noticing it. Then the second thing was, I all yeah, a, a double fronted terrace uh, with a missing number. So this was this really piqued my interest. So involved already was street walking, uh, missing a number, so being observant noticing that it was a double fronted terrace mm-hmm. and then the second thing was then it, it ended up getting a listing uh with a local agent but then i'd spent ages cultivating the relationship with the agent it had 30 offers in uh there was a stamp duty threshold at the time and i was in the office 10 minutes before the deadline best and finals right and using my relationship obviously the agent didn't show me what the other offers were um, I was able to win that by 500 pounds, mm-hmm. right? So that, that, that was, um, then there's the, the other aspect of the deal was we were able to make two houses out of this one plot, mm-hmm. as well as gain access, uh, opening up access to be able to build another two houses on another plot of land mm-hmm. through the garden. Now, that other the other double bill didn't happen in the end but th- there were so many elements of that of that uh, of that deal the other thing as well is that 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 um what's my favorite it was also haunted right and one of the guys ran off site he said he'd seen he'd seen a ghost right <laughs> and um and never came back never returned mm-hmm. <coughs> and uh so and then the other things that we also raised the, you know, also raised the ceiling of that street, mm-hmm. you know, and there was, there was the small matter of 150 grand profit in it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was my so, favorite so that, deal. That, that was your, the haunted house was your favorite deal. Uh, what what yeah, was so it the was best my, deal that you've, you've ever done? I, to be honest, I think that is the best deal in terms of the the return mm-hmm. now i've had other ones that have, that have pulled a little bit lower than that now the best deal that i've ever done has not finished yet mm-hmm. and probably when that's done then that will become the best deal but but this is my it's my favorite deal and best deal because of the amount of profit the amount of different elements of property skill that had to be brought into bear Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had party wall issues, I had uh, uh, TPO issues, mm-hmm. um, we had to, those, in order to rebuild the back, the pathway was, was really small, so we had to basically carry things in by brick, right? Uh, so there were loads of different elements, it all sort of came together, and I think the most satisfying thing was knowing that not everyone could have done that deal. Mm-hmm because of all the elements I had to bring together. That's why I enjoyed that deal so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting point about uh, not everyone could do that deal. And, and I think you're quite right there because uh, like the, the one identifying the opportunity, if you think about the number of people that must have walked down that street or mm. read the uh, publications or the places that uh, it was advertised, um, it, and, and to identify the opportunity and then to follow through to have the relationships uh, and the skill set and the, the mindset to A, get it done, but then the follow through, the profit didn't happen uh, at the purchase, the potential for it happened at the purchase. So uh, it sounds like there was quite a bit going on and, and, and that was part of the appeal as well. Yeah, that, that was part of the appeal because I also know some uh bigger much more experienced property people also bid because people who could see it could see it right so that was the 30 bids there were there were also cash bids and you know it ended up when it got listed because people could see it could spot it sorry it wasn't 30 it was 20 Mm -hmm. 20 yeah it was 20 bids 
mm-hmm. but these are re- these are big portfolio holders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so to be all of them, so there were so many elements of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It was almost a culmination of all these, all these different things. You know, so and there was a lot of bespoke work that had to be, had to be done, uh, bespoke staircases, you know, we had mm-hmm. to solve so many problems, you know, raising the roof, raising the ceiling heights and digging an inch deeper. It was, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was a good nightmare, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, party wall issues with a neighbor. It was just, it was almost like all packed into, into one, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is why it's my favorite deal because I was like, okay, this is, this is something that is almost a reward for the hours and the years and the learnings and everything else I've put in, mm-hmm. as opposed to just the, I think it sounds controversial, but the, the monetary aspect was probably the least, almost the least satisfying. It was that I'd, seen something with a hypothesis and it worked all the way through including raising the raising the um you know raising the the height mm-hmm. you know saying you know everyone's like well you could never achieve that i was like well actually yes we can mm-hmm. right and um obviously there were challenges with the finance and everything else when i came to refinance it out and pull pull the money out so um so that's why it was. That's why it was my favourite deal. And I think um, that that sort of uh, down to the individual deal and the, the different aspects uh, that that must be a, uh, a reassuring. Um, if you're an institutional investor looking to drop twenty five million into your your current ventures, the, the mm. fact that there, there is a you know a depth of background, uh, not not just in the wider team but uh, in your own personal. Uh, experience uh, that that you've you've uh, you've been there figuring out making the choices around uh, the type of um, uh, the type of uh, depth that you're going to go down and and uh, and actually getting deals done, which which is often the main blockage. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think the advantage that I have, or what I found is. Because I've come from a different angle, I, I I just see opportunities and I see I just see possibilities mm-hmm. and look to assemble them in a way that works. Mm-hmm. So that means that if I if I if I don't know something, I will just go to the library and read up read up on it. So I have at least a base knowledge, and then I'll speak to people who have done it. So for me, there's a first time for everything. So. There is a moment. There's the moment before you know something, and the moment you have you 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 know something. So everything's either it's just one person or or a couple of things away from from knowing, right? Mm-hmm. If it's because <laughs> so I'm just going to round this up. But but the way I look at it is when I see someone doing something, I say that person was once a one year old drooling and um, having to have their nappy changed. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that skill. At some point in life, they've had to learn it. Mm-hmm. And if, if they've learned it, it can be learned. And if it can be learned, it has to be taught. If it can be learned and it can be taught, why can't I, or why can't I find someone who has? Yep, that, that's a great point. <laughs> I'm gonna put a, a bonus extra question in because we, we still have a couple of minutes to spare. Fantastic, so, yeah. Um, what, what I'd love to know is in the last 12 months, uh, yeah. your, my perception is your network's gone to a, another level. Um, yeah. what, what's the, the, the three biggest learnings you've had from the people that you've, uh, you're, you're now working with? Uh, and and may, maybe, maybe drill it down to, um, to uh, the finance side, the acquisition side, and then the relationship side. So to the top one for each of those. Okay, so I, I'd say on the finance on the finance side, is be able to tell your story both personally and professionally. So, you know, people do not just want a long story, and people do not just want figures. So you have to merge the two in a way that's personal and professional. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'd say on, on the on the sort of on the finance side, mm-hmm. and you need you need to have enough room to have confidence and contingencies. Mm-hmm. So so too on the on the uh, on the property side, it is 
the the basics remain the basics is is actually what I what I say. So that's planning, budgeting, um, delivery, and it's 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 funny. What what I say is that. The, the fundamentals remain the same, just the number of zeros increase. And actually, the, the bigger things you do, you work with people with better PI, mm -hmm. and it actually gets a little bit easier the bigger you get, mm -hmm. which people don't understand that, because you just work with better and more capable and more experienced people, mm -hmm. because the project does um, does deserve that. And also, then you're speaking to pension funds, and you're speaking to, to various institutional investors who get it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, your interactions with them also raised your level. Then on a personal point of view, it is really simple, you know, do what you say you'll do and treat everyone with courtesy and respect and be prompt and be professional and follow up um, and stay in communication. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, okay, that, that's fantastic. Uh, so um, Aaron, a pleasure having you on. Um, this is uh, My Property World podcast i'm will mallard um once again aaron um we'll get you back on for for another uh, show shortly fantastic thank you for having me welcome to my property world a light and informative look at all things property we have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the uk market however we do take examples from all around the property world our aim is for us to make money from property together, whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading, or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining, and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to, and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.